This is lesson 46 of the book of Romans, and it finds us midway through the chapter of 14. And the reason this is taking a bit longer than some of the other chapters is that for 2,000 years, this book has been so misinterpreted. Theologians and uh, pastors and so forth, pretty much the whole of the church, have looked at the opening verses of this chapter 14 as Paul saying that the dietary laws of God and the Sabbath of God and the festivals of God have been done away with by the coming of Messiah. The problem is for the church in practicing and teaching that the law has been abolished is they're calling Yeshua a liar. Yeshua preached this on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, In chapter 5 of Matthew, For truly I say unto you, until heaven and earth have passed away, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever annuls one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever practices and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The last time I looked, kingdom and uh, the last time I looked, the heaven and the earth were still here. So to say that Yeshua did away with a single command is to call him a liar. And not just that, but by his own words, he could never be king of the kingdom of God on earth because he would be least in the kingdom if he abolished the command. So that's the first problem. Second, to say that these are Paul's words alone and he's ending even one of the commands of God for the church or that they're no longer binding, is to call him a heretic. As a man has no authority to remove any of the commands of God. No man does. And if not a heretic, at a minimum, minimum, he too is least in the kingdom of heaven. In Messiah is no sin, and sin is transgression of the law. As Paul said this, Paul said this, he said in chapter 9, verse 1, remember, he says, I speak the truth in Messiah. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. You see, he's not a heretic. He hasn't separated himself from Messiah's truth. He speaks the truth in Messiah. And Messiah said, we just read it, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law. Also, if you say that Paul on his own is telling us that the commands of God are no longer binding, then you're telling me that Paul is a schizophrenic. Because he said this in chapter 7, So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. You see, Paul is trying to lead the Romans into what is holy, righteous, and good, not away from it. You see, the whole of the law, every jot and tittle, is holy, righteous, and good. Let me tell you what's not holy and not righteous and is no good. And that is what man has done to God's law. Man's interpreting the law to his own selfish, to satisfy his own selfish desires. He has turned what is holy to profane. What is, was, was righteousness to hypocrisy. And what was good into self-serving. It's we who have twisted the law to abolish it and destroy it, not Yeshua and Paul. 
You see, the whole of the church has missed one thing in chapter 14. What did they miss? Well, they missed the topic. And it was in the very first verse. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 14. Now, accept one who's weak in faith, but not for the purposes of passing judgment on his opinions. Paul is not speaking of the commands of God in this passage. He's speaking of the opinions of men. And that word for opinion there means this. It's, it's dialogimos, ismos, and it means thinking of a man deliberating with himself. It's the thinking of a man. So Paul is not speaking of the command of God, you shall not eat meat from an animal that does not chew the cud. He's speaking of the reasoning of a man about the food he eats. He's speaking of men having turned not eating meat offered to an idol into not eating meat touched by a non-Jew because he might be an idol worshiper. He's speaking of, do not see the kid in its mother's milk, turning that into, don't eat a turkey and cheese sandwich. And he's also speaking of the other side of the coin. If you were a Roman and bringing meat that was suspected of being offered to an idol to a community meal and then judging those who didn't eat it for not eating it. Those are opinions. But when God says, and the pig, though it has a split hoof completely divided, does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat nor touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 7 and 8. You see, there's no reasoning for you to do there. There's no reasoning or opinion you have to give. There's only one thing that you have to do, and that's decide, am I going to obey or disobey? He's really clear about the pig. It's unclean for you. You must not eat its meat. There's no room for opinion here. What are you going to argue? Are you going to argue that a pig is not a pig? It's clear. Don't eat pig. It's unclean. Let me give you a matter of opinion about food. If I were a Roman and I went to the meat market today and bought a piece of lamb and I thought about it and even though the market is full of meat that comes from the pagan temples that has been offered to idol, I spoke with the owner and I'm reasonably certain that this piece of meat has not been taken from a lamb that was sacrificed to an idol. So I'm going to eat this piece of meat. You see, that's your reasoning about this piece of food. Is it fit to eat or is it not fit to eat? And in the same way, if you were a Jewish person and reasoned that this same Roman brought this lamb stew to the community meal and you reason to yourself, you know, I'm not so sure he understands about not eating meat offered to an idol. He's a bit careless about how he keeps the commands, and so I'm not going to eat this stew to be on the safe side. That's your reasoning about eating meat, and so you might just go to the vegetable table and eat only vegetables. Each one is reasoning as to whether he's keeping the command not to eat meat offered to idols. And Paul is saying, don't judge one another for that. Pretty simple, right? 
But when God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall not do any work. There's nothing to reason over there. Your opinion doesn't matter. All that matters is, are you going to obey God or not? God says, six days shall you work and rest on the seventh. Not the third, not the fourth, not the second, not the first. But he said, on those days do work. But on the seventh day, rest. How simple does it get? Let me tell you what an opinion as to days would be. If I were a Roman... And the Jewish people in the community were going to fast for the fast of Esther, let's say. And I reasoned, hey, that's not a command of the Torah. And I really don't feel much like fasting today. That's your opinion. And Paul is saying to the Romans, don't judge one another based on your opinion. That's why the text says, stop passing judgment on each other's opinions. Now, I said all of that today because it was kind of a repetition of last week, but I said all of that today, because when this goes on the TV, I have no expectation of changing anyone's mind about this passage, or how they interpret keeping the Sabbath, or they're eating the other white meat. I've heard all kinds of reasoning as to why you don't need to keep the Sabbath holy. You know, I've even heard people say, How do you know for sure that Saturday is the Sabbath, is the seventh day? Maybe the days got mixed up and maybe Sunday's really the seventh day. Well, folks, we have a clock that tells us when the seventh day is. And the clock is the Jewish people. They've been keeping the Sabbath ever since God said you shall keep the Sabbath holy. And on it do no servile work. The fact is, there's no reasoning involved here. It's just a matter of whether you're going to obey or whether you're not going to obey. People who want to work on the Sabbath or eat the other white meat have 2,000 years of church leaders telling them it's okay. They have 2,000 years of following the opinions of men and not the commands of God. That's their tradition to fall back on. Even though God's quite clear and Yeshua is clear about keeping the commands. Paul is quite clear that he's speaking of opinions here and not the commands of God. And he told us that the commands of God are holy, righteous, and good. Yet, they still eat pig and work on the Sabbath. I have no expectation that I should be able to change their minds. Who am I that anyone should listen to me over the opinions of the great men of the church? But when you think about it, I'm just reading the Bible at face value. I'm not giving you my opinion. There's no opinion involved here. I just showed you. What I do have hope for, I have a hope of showing you that all of your, that you're keeping the Sabbath and you're not eating the other white meat is your obedience to God and there's going to be a reward for that. And so I'm going to show that today and let's begin by backing up a few verses. Let's go to verse 5 of chapter 14 and begin there. One who regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord and he who eats does so for the Lord for he gives thanks to God. 
and he eats not for the Lord. He does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So again, this is about a person's opinion regarding fast days. One person observes the fast day, the other person eats. He's ignoring the fast day and eating. And Paul is saying, look, there's no Torah command to fast. So this is a matter of opinion. And don't judge one another for opinion. Now reconciling the fact that this is not about the Sabbath and not about the Torah is good, but we don't want to make the same mistake that the church has made. We don't want to make the mistake of thinking that those things are the focus of this passage because they're not the focus of this passage. That's the mistake the church made. The focus of chapter 14 is about community. It's about not judging one's opinions, not dividing a community over opinion. It's about loving and preferring your neighbor. And it doesn't mean that we wink at someone breaking the command of God, but neither do we condemn someone for his opinion as long as they don't violate the commands of God. You see, the church has got so focused on abolishing the Sabbath so that we can keep the traditional Sunday and abolishing the festivals of the Lord so that we can keep our traditional festivals like Easter. We're so focused on making a way for us to eat the other white meat or our lobster or our shrimp that we don't see the reason Paul wrote the 14th chapter and the reason is do not judge on matters of opinion. That's the topic. The fast days are an example. Do not divide on matters of opinion. Community is important. Loving your neighbor is important. The commands of God that are summed up in love your neighbor as yourself are important. Telling others the good news is important. But equally as important is living a life of peace and harmony so that when people... When you go out and tell people the good news, they will see that it is good news. That there is a change in you. And want to be a part of that. Equally as important as not bickering over things that don't matter. Like your own opinion. Let me tell you, don't get caught up in yourself to the degree that you start thinking of your opinions as absolute truths. Because they're just opinions. I say we miss the purpose of this chapter because nearly everyone you speak to about eating biblically clean or keeping the Sabbath day will say to you, haven't you read Romans chapter 14? But no one have I ever heard in the middle of a heated debate about that's about to divide a community over some trivial opinion ever say, haven't you read Romans chapter 14? You see, that's what Romans chapter 14 is about. The church must have missed it or we wouldn't have so many denominations. You know what we'd have? A lot of messianic communities and no churches. You know, we divided over the centuries at a drop of a hat. 
In all the years I've been walking with the Lord, I've never seen a division in the community over thou shalt not. But I've seen a whole lot of egos get bruised and a subsequent division over some ridiculous opinion. And so we've missed it. Paul tells us the reason for the 14th chapter in verse 10. Let's begin with verse 9 and read. For this To this end, Messiah died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God. Why do you judge your brother? You know, the Greek word there is krino. And it means, in this instance, condemn, punish. Why do you regard your brother with contempt, it says. And the Greek word there for contempt means to make no account of, despise utterly. Why do you, over your own opinion, condemn and utterly despise your brother is what's being said. And we do have to make judgments in the community if the commands of God have been violated or if the rules of the community have been violated. The elders have to make judgments about community life that must be adhered to. But dividing over your personal opinion about something and then condemning and despising the one over that opinion... All I can say about that is you must think a lot of yourself because you put yourself in the judgment seat of God. How about this judgment seat of God? Did you ever think about that? How is it that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God? Paul said this in chapter 3, in verse 21. He says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Messiah Yeshua to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Messiah Yeshua. He told us in chapter 3, we are justified by our faith in Messiah Yeshua. And guess what? It's a done deal. You're justified. By the grace of God, not by works that anyone should boast, but by God's grace alone. It's a gift. And later in chapter 8, he says this, in verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that, it is, the must, that is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. He says, we're justified by grace, not by works, and justified by something that Yeshua did and nothing that we did, and there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Amen. But then he says, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Does Paul have two mouths? So what is he saying? Well, Paul is saying that we're saved and justified before God, And when this happens, you don't got to worry because we're saved. Revelation chapter 20 says, in verse 11, Then I saw the great white throne and him who sat upon it. 
from whose presence the earth and the heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. It means you're going to be judged righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of what Yeshua has done. And so you will not be judged with the wicked. Those who have not, who do not know Yeshua as their Savior. You're saved from this fate because of Messiah Yeshua. However, Yeshua also said this. If we, we read it earlier, Matthew chapter uh, 5, let's read it again. Whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever teaches and practices them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Listen, there is a judgment coming and it's going to take place in your life. And yes, you're saved from the fate of the wicked by your faith in Yeshua. But that's not what this is all about. This judgment is about how did you live the life God gave you and Yeshua paid such a dear price for What did you do with the precious gift of salvation and regeneration that Yeshua gave you? And what is your reward? Yeshua speaks of this judgment in a parable. The parable of the talents. Verse 20 says, of chapter 25 of Matthew, The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. For you have been faithful in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. You see, the one who lived a life that was productive and through that life produced fruit for the kingdom of God, who took the gifts that God gave him and used them for the good of others, who preferred others above himself, will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a judgment, there will be a judgment where God separates the sheep from the goats and the goats will go to a place prepared for them and they will go to the eternal fire. The goats will go to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. However, for those who confess Yeshua, the Lord is going to look at your deeds and he's going to decide what reward we deserve. Yes, we'll be in the kingdom and yes, we'll be saved. But the question will be, how did we love our neighbor? Did we prefer him above ourselves? And for that, there's going to be a reward. If all of our lives we sat in the pew and did nothing, we'll still be at the supper. Or if we were critical of others over our self-righteous opinions, we'll still be at the wedding supper. But we might be so far from the head of the table that it'll be like watching the Twins game from Duluth with no TV and just a pair of binoculars. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That's why Paul says this in chapter 14, verse 12. He says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in our brother's way. 
we're going to have to give an account. And that account will determine if we're great in the kingdom and near the head of the table or if we're at the other end of the table. So what is happening in this room, in Rome is that there are those who are so fixated on their own opinions, so caught up in themselves and their own opinions, that they're unconcerned with the concern of their brothers. So unconcerned that they're causing them to stumble, to miss the gospel of Messiah. And it has to do, as we just read, with their opinions on food and days. Verse 14 says... I know and am convinced in the Lord that there is nothing unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Messiah died. The first thing when you read this passage is... You have to remember that we're speaking of opinions here. That's why I said to him who thinks. It's his opinion that food is clean. The next thing we have to understand when Paul says food, he's not speaking of what God has declared to be unfit for food, unclean for food. But he's speaking of what God said is fit for food. When Paul says Food, what never comes to his mind, are those things that God said are unfit to eat. In the same way, if I say food from the Bema, buzzard doesn't come to my mind. Rattlesnake doesn't come to my mind. They are not food for me. Pig is not food for me. What does come to my mind is lamb, chicken, beef, fish fish with scales and fins. And so again, in closing, the commands of God for Paul are a no-brainer. The commands of God will, by Yeshua's own words, never be destroyed until heaven and earth disappear. And by Paul's own words, they're holy, righteous, and good. And Paul and Yeshua are trying to lead us into lives that are holy, righteous, and good. Paul and Yeshua are leading us away from lives of sin... And sin, you know, sin is defined for you in the Bible. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. They're leading us away from being lawless and lawbreakers into lives that are holy, righteous, and good. And just so we're clear, when John says law, what law does he mean? The laws of men? The opinions of men? No, he can only mean the law of God. Sin is breaking the commands of God. So Paul and Yeshua are leading us into lives of keeping the commands of God. And the commands of God define for us loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so they're leading us into loving our neighbor as ourselves. They're leading us away from a life of sin, a life where we love ourselves above all else, a life where we love ourselves and our thoughts more than our neighbor. And if our neighbor disagrees with our opinions, that we don't hold him in such contempt that we discard what he thinks and separate ourselves from him, 
A life where the good news becomes less important than our own opinion. And if our brother stumbles over our opinion and leaves the faith, or at least leaves the community for another community, we think, oh well, he should have listened to me. Well, you sure think a lot of yourself. You see, that in a nutshell is what Romans chapter 14 is about. And that's why in closing chapter 16, he says this, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, but their own appetite. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent about what is evil. You see, there's always going to be men who with their smooth talk deceive others with their own opinions. They're not serving Yeshua, but themselves. And you avoid those people and keep from their deception by knowledge of and obedience to the commands of God. Amen?